Hello and welcome back to the Dante in a Year podcast. My name is Danny Fitzpatrick. Thanks for joining in as we journey through the realms of hell, purgatory, and heaven in Dante's Divine Comedy. Last time in Canto 7, we watched the hoarders and the wasters collide with each other. Today, in Canto 8, we cross the swamp of Styx and Phlegius's boat. Dante encounters a wrathful soul whom he recognizes as Filippo Argenti, the person who took Dante's property in Florence after Dante was sent into exile. I want to take this opportunity to comment on two elements of this poem that help to make sense of the whole thing. The first is the matter of Dante's exile. Florence in Dante's day was in a constant state of political turmoil, with two warring factions periodically driving each other out of the city. In 1301, Dante was exiled from Florence on pain of death. He never returned to his beloved home. Even today, his tomb is in Ravenna rather than in Florence. The pain of exile is one of those things that governs all of the poem, and it's amazing to think of Dante wandering Italy, managing to stay alive, and also composing one of the all-time greatest poems. The other thing that's worth noting is that Dante is very organized. He doesn't simply punish people at random. Instead, the souls in hell suffer a particular kind of punishment known as a contrapasso, or a suffering which is specifically suited to their prevailing pattern of sin. Paolo and Francesca, for instance, are whipped around in a whirlwind, just as they allowed lust to whip them around during life. We see this pattern throughout the comedy, and it's a pattern we recognize in our own lives. Our sins lead to certain types of suffering because our sins are contrary to our nature in a particular way. With that... Let's dive into Dante's Inferno, Canto 8. I say, continuing, that well before we'd come to the foot of that tall tower, our eyes had come to see upon its summit two flames displayed, and another turning back the sign from far away, so far the eye could hardly discern it. And I turned to the sea of all sense, said, What does this say? And what does it respond, that other fire? And who are they that made it? And he to me, through the filthy waves, you may already glare at that which waits, if the fumes of the marsh don't obscure it for you. The bow cord never twanged an arrow from itself to course as swiftly away through the air as the little ship I saw coming toward us on the water, governed solely by a galley slave, who cried, Now you're caught, fallen soul. Phlegius, Phlegius, you cry in vain, said my lord. You'll have us no more than in passing this bog. As is he who hears a grand deceit against him and begins to grieve, so was Phlegius in his collared ire. My leader descended into the bark and bid me enter after him, and when within I seemed its sole cargo. The second the guide and I had boarded, the antique prow advanced, cutting the water more than when with others. While we crossed the grave mire, one full of mud arose before me and said, Who are you that come ahead of time? And I to him, Though I come, I don't remain. But you, who are you now made so bad? He responded, You see that I am one who weeps. And I to him, With weeping and with loss, ill-spoken spirit, you remain. I know you still through all your filth. Then he extended both his hands to the bark. The shrewd master shoved him off, saying, Away there with the other dogs. Then he threw embraces round my neck. He kissed my face and said, Holy indignant, blessed is she who bore you. 
He was in the world a person of pride. His memory bears no goodness. So is his shade so furious. How many now hold themselves great kings who will stew like pigs in the bog, leaving behind horrible disparagements. And I, master, I would most wish to see him stuffed deep in this broth before we have left the lake. And he to me, before the shore leaves your sight, you'll be sated. It's fitting this desire be enjoyed. After which I watched what torment was made for him by that filthy people, so that I still give thanks and praise to God. All were crying, At Filippo Argenti! And the bizarre Florentine spirit turned his own teeth on himself. We leave him here, of whom I'll say no more. Then pain so struck my ears that I stretched my eyes ahead. The good master said, Now, my son, appears the city named Dis, with its grave citizens and with its vast host. And I, Master, already I see its mosques there within the keep in the valley, vermilion as if lifted from fire. And he to me, The eternal fire that flares within them shows them red, as you see in this low inferno. Then we reached the deep trenches within that gird that disconsolate land. The walls appear as forged of iron. Not before we'd fared a great gyre did we come to a point where the oarsmen roared, Get out! Here's the entrance. I saw more than a thousand at the door of those reigned from heaven, who, irritated, cried, Who is this that without death comes through the kingdom of the dead? And here my sage master made a sign that he would speak with them secretly. Then they eschewed their great disdain a bit and said, You come alone, and without him who passes with such ardor through this kingdom. Alone let him return along the foolish road. Let him try if he can, for you will remain who have escorted him through this brooding country. Ponder, reader, how my strength so failed at the sound of those ill-spoken words that I couldn't believe I'd ever return. O oh, my dear leader, who more than seven times have secured my strength and drawn me from the deep perils coming against me, don't leave me, I said, so undone. And if to pass on further is denied, together let's retrace our chosen track. And that lord who'd led me there said to me, Do not fear, as our passage was so greatly given, none can turn it aside. But attend me here, and soothe your latent spirit and feed of good hope for I'll not leave you in the netherworld. So he goes and abandons me, the sweetest father, and I remain in doubt, as yes and no contend within my mind. I couldn't hear what was proposed, but it wasn't long he stood among them, till each recoiled and pushed within. Our adversary shut the gates in the face of my master, who remained without and returned to me with rarest steps. His eyes were to the ground, and his brows were raised of every boldness, and he said in sighs, Who denies me the dolorous realms? And he said to me, Don't, despite my agitation, be discouraged, for I will stand the test, whatever the defense arrayed against us. This their arrogance is nothing new. They've used it once already at a separate door, which stands as yet unshut. Over it you saw the deathly script, and even now one comes in swift descent, passing unescorted through the circles, by whom the land shall be opened. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Dante in a Year podcast. See you Friday for Canto 9.